Welcome to Shit Show of My 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm so glad you're here. I'm a 20-year-old from LA, and I started this podcast back in April after getting furloughed from my job for 10 weeks. I realized during those 10 weeks, I could do absolutely nothing and sit on the couch and eat ice cream, or I could do one of the projects I've been wanting to do but have been pushing off for the longest time. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while, but I've been pushing it off, pushing it off till when I felt ready, when I felt good enough, when I felt like my story was good enough or when I felt comfortable in front of a camera or, or talking to people. And I realized that that moment was really truly never going to come. I was never going to feel ready enough. I was never going to feel good enough and that I just had to create that experience and just step out there. And I just recorded and I recorded before I was ready. I recorded before I felt comfortable. And I remember the first interview shaking before and then the feeling afterwards after having the conversation with her. And I realized how much of these stories I built up in my head about how it was going to be or how I wasn't prepared or whatever. And when I was just present in that interview, I learned so much and I realized I want to do this again. So I did it again and again. And since April, I've interviewed over 90 people, heard so many incredible stories about love, heartbreak, career, success, so many good things. And if there's something that I hope that you guys get from this podcast, it's that you're never going to feel ready and that if it excites you and it kind of scares you at the same time, maybe you should do it. Maybe you should try it and see what happens. So I would love if you guys could help share this podcast, share it with someone you think will love it, and leave a review. So that's pretty much it. Today's guest is Amy Ann. I love chatting with her. We talk about what it was like for her to get fired at 20, how this lawsuit filed against her, And then how she got into the beauty industry, how she's able to help these brands get into Ulta and other big retailers, and how her and her daughter founded Charisma Beauty together, and the story behind that, her skincare tips, and so much more. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Amy Ann, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know about your story, your background. Start wherever resonates with you and just tell me about like what your journey has been like so far, any career changes, what led you down the path you're at right now. Sophie, I'm so excited to talk with you and I'm so impressed with you and and what you're doing already at 20. I just, I don't think I had it quite together as you did. I grew up in the Midwest and um, at 19 years old, I was in college and I just said, I don't want to be here. I don't know where I want to be, but it's not here. So I looked in the college paper at that time and there was an ad for a nanny. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be a nanny. And everybody's like, you want to be a nanny? I said, yeah, I want to be a nanny. And so there was an opportunity in New York and an opportunity in LA. And the New York one happened first. So I moved to New York City at 19 and I was a nanny. And I think that sort of just speaks to what I do is I just jump in head first. I'd never been on a plane before. I'd never been east of Iowa, anything. I was just like, I'm going and this is what's happening. And I think that's what I've done all my life. I look at something and I say, that's it. I want to do that. And I just go do it. And I don't think about how to get there. I don't think about the consequences or anything. And so I did that for a couple of years. And after being a nanny, I said, you know, I want to work in an office. And I worked in this printing company, which is pretty cool considering a lot of what we do now in beauty, you know, you're printing boxes and you're printing packaging. So I had a great foundation, 
But for some reason, I did not like working in the office where you had to answer the phones and, you know, add up the accounts. It's like, I wanted to work with the people. I wanted to be an account executive and I wanted to go out and sell printing. And I think it's because I'm tall that somebody just believed me, maybe like 20, like you said, you were 20 and they just believed in you, you know, just like the, the strength of your convictions. And so mm-hmm. I walked in and I started selling these multi-million dollar deals. Right. Mm-hmm. But I thought, of course, at 20, I knew everything. I was like, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. And so I had a huge account. It was actually a water account. I think the brand was called Deer Park. It's not very popular here on the West Coast, but it is on the East Coast. And we had this huge printing run and the, the customer couldn't be there. So I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just sign off on it. It'll be fine. You know, well, it wasn't, it wasn't fine at all. We, I, before I even got back, the customer had seen the job and they didn't like the color. And to me, there was nothing wrong with the color and they were furious. And I went back to my boss and I was like, you know, what's happening? And so I walked in and he was standing there and he had this really smelly bulldog that was in the office as well. I don't think the bulldog was smelling. His office was smelly because he used to smoke cigars in there. And it's a, he was super scary. He looked a little bit like some Italian mobster, you know, because I think he was one of the only few people be like, yeah, we'll give this girl a chance. And I was working on commission only. I mean, who does that at 20 years old, working in supporting myself? And he said, you're fired and we're suing you for the $5,000 that we just lost with this company. And I didn't even, I was, I couldn't even tell you how scared I was. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Number one, I had just gotten fired. I had no savings, no money, no nothing. And I lived in New York by myself. I had no, nothing to fall back on and I was completely petrified. And so I actually called the people that I nannied for and because we were so friendly and I told them what happened and they're like, don't worry, it'll be fine. Well, six months later was the whole process with them trying to sue me. And I had to spend almost like a thousand dollars, which was a lot of money at the time. And they eventually, it didn't go, it didn't go through, but you know, that sort of, I guess it knocked the wind out of my sails and said, you know, maybe you should think about a little bit more about what you're doing and not try to be such a grown up all the time, you know? So anyway, it was sort of like fast forward into that crazy story, but you know, it's, it was really, really terrifying, honestly. what did you do after that? Where'd you go to, did you work as a nanny after that? No, I wanted to stay in New York city. And so I had used to work retail. I have a little bit of a creative background. I used to work retail that first year in college. I worked at a fabric store and I really loved it. My grandmother, when I was younger, taught me how to sew, how to embroidery, how to cross stitch, how to sew on the old machines from the 40s and 50s where you use the foot pedal. So I decided, and I've always been into beauty and fashion. I always liked it. So I actually walked into Barney's. Uh, in 17th Street, New York City, and applied. I tried to look my coolest Midwestern self. And I think that always helps too, because there's that, that, I always smile and, you know, you have that going for you. And I was fortunate they hired with me, hired me within a month. So I stayed with a friend until um, I got back on my feet. And um, I lived, it was like the basement of an apartment, you know, in, a, I should say like a small house apartment in uh, Scarsdale in New York. And, and then I got back on my feet and, you know, and that worked out. Then I started, decided to go back to school that, you know, 
getting a job right out of college after one year of college and trying to think that you can be an account executive and you can do all these things and drive all over and sell printing. It was a great experience, but it was definitely not thought through, you know, and I didn't have anybody because I wanted to be so independent. I didn't have anybody to bounce those ideas off of. Right. Like my mom was in Mm -hmm. Iowa and the only time you talked to her is if you called her, right? And you, like she happened to pick up on the, on the landline. So I was doing everything myself because I thought I could. And I didn't realize it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, to tell people like what you're planning on doing. And you know, that advice isn't, isn't a way for them to control you. But that advice is because they've lived it. And from there, what inspired you to get into consulting for these brands? And what inspired you to get into beauty? So with the experience that I had at Barney's, which was incredible, I met Madonna, I met Uma Thurman, we worked with uh, the, I can't think of her, I want to say her name is Joan, but um, famous talk show host, and you know, we did a lot, and we would start, I worked with a personal shopper, and in the co-op, and what we would do is start from start to finish, right, so from the moment that they were dressing, we'd start with what shoes, what outfit, how are you going to wear your hair, what are you going to do with your makeup? And I was the only one that really asked that third question, which is, what are you going to do with your hair and makeup? Everybody else would stop at, what are you going to wear with your clothes? You know, and this is 25, you know, 30 years ago. And I started working with some, with some water, with some different brands. And so they sort of saw my potential and they brought me behind the counter and they said, let's move you out of clothing and let's put you into skincare and let's put you into beauty. And it was just natural. When I was 12, I was plucking my girlfriend's eyebrows painting people's nails, doing people's hair, French braiding, you know, all of those things. Cause I have a really visual eye and I would just look at something and say, I can do that. And so I literally at 16 started cutting people's hair with no license. So it probably wasn't the best choice, but I did all of those things and they were easy for me. You know, I wasn't necessarily great at them, but I, I understood the process. And so I really loved all the aspects of beauty. And I worked behind the counter for years where I finished my degree in marketing at Pace University in New York. And while we did that, it was a really great opportunity for me to realize that I liked skin more than I liked makeup. Like even now, as we sit here, I don't have anything on my face, but like moisturizer because I love skincare and I love skin. And through that, I was able to get a position as a market after I graduated because I had four years experience in skincare with Estee Lauder. I was able to get a job in marketing in skincare for spas and salons. And so I was a marketing director for many years. And so it was definitely an evolution, you know, realizing that, yes, I love to pluck people's eyebrows. I love to cut people's hair. I love to like do their makeup and all of that. And I educated salons and spots across the United States. I owned my own spa, licensed esthetician up in upstate New York. I had a spa called Lux Spa and we had about 3000 square feet, feet, 20 people, And we did some of the most innovative facials at the time. We were on all the major networks. And, but then what I realized is that I like doing the treatments, but I'm not the best people person. I I think you mentioned early on that you're more of an introvert. I really am too. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me when people are talking about like maybe what's happening to them in their life or, you know, they're just sharing and I'm just not a very sharing person. You know, I don't necessarily share about my life. And so it was, it was uncomfortable for me to hear about other people's lives, you know, in the treatment room. And so I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and I moved to LA 
um, with a family. By then I had three kids and a husband. I'll pick them up along the way. <laughs> and, so, and we moved, we picked up our bags and we moved to LA and I started working with a contract manufacturer. But what's interesting about the beauty journey is that it started from one thing, right? It started from eyebrows to facials, to skincare, to doing makeup. We, I did makeup on Jodie Foster at in Estee Lauder at Prescriptors. We made her foundations and I learned every single part of the industry along the way. Right. And so the, by the time I got to LA and I was running in one of the distributorships and, and a contract manufacturer where they make products for other brands, I, that was it. I, I knew that that journey, everything that I had done up to that point, which is about 12 years was just to make products. My number one goal in life, which I didn't have any idea about it is to make products because now I understand beauty from the consumer's perspective from like, if I put a mascara on somebody, I know how it works because I've done it. I know what a moisturizer is supposed to do because I've seen it when you, you get a facial and then you come back two or three weeks later to check on your skin. I know that moisturizer works because I see the change in your skin. Most other people who make products have never touched anyone's skin, have never put lipstick on them. You know, they're just, they're into the, the science of it or they're into you know, the, the ingredients or the technologies or the way it feels, but they don't know the same way that a makeup artist, that an esthetician knows. And so that's, I think, what made me successful for the past 10 years in making beauty products for brands, because I looked at it differently, right? I didn't look at it like, let's just make the prettiest package with the best stuff in it. I thought about how are you going to sell it and how are you going to explain that to a consumer? And we took all of that when we did Clarisma, right? We took all of that knowledge and Clarice grew up in the spa. She was, you know, not even born when I opened the spa and, you know, she grew up and she had manicures and pedicures when she was two and three years old, not real ones, of course, but she was in, in the spa and she knew what a facial was and they've been trying products for years. So she had that level of expertise as well. I'd love for you to go into the inspiration behind Clarisma and how that really came to life. And what did you take from helping other people build their brands that you really incorporated into your brand as well? So the inspiration behind Clarisma really is from Clarice. And, you know, we looked at even the name, right? It's Clarice and Ma, uh, Clarisma, Mm -hmm. you know? And she had these two drawings. One of them was a pimple begone brush that you would paint on your face. Even at eight years old, she knew that pimples were bad. Uh, <laughs> even though she didn't have any yet, but she saw the infomercials, pimples were bad. And I think her brothers were older and they had a few too. And so you paint this on and it had a little battery. Interestingly enough, it was a B battery because I guess if there was A batteries, there must be B batteries someplace. So, and it, she did this like 1995 and it was like to get rid of pimples. Right. And then the second one was the smooth rub mint scrub. And I asked her where, where do you want these products? She's like, well, I want them at CVS. You know, I want them at the, at the drugstore where I go to buy my product because, you know, most kids are not buying their products at the, at the department stores at that time. And so the inspiration became creating these products for her that she wanted for her friends but that were natural. And so for the next four or five years, she would bring her friends over and they would smell things and they would try things and they would touch things. And then we'd have them, we did focus groups on girls her age 
And what we figured out was that they weren't quite ready for skincare. And so we sort of tabled it for a little bit. You know, she was busy trying to get her creative and schooling done. And, but she kept pushing me. When are we doing this? When are we doing this? What are, you know, what's the next step with the formulator? And we also then at that point decided that nothing else worked better on her skin than enzymes. And in the spa, we use papaya and pineapple enzymes and pumpkin, pumpkin enzymes on most everyone, depending on the, not, we didn't have to worry about what age you were, what ethnicity, enzymes work on every skin. So we took that and decided that was the basis of the skincare. She also had, Clarice has digestion problems. And so you take enzymes internally and that helps with your digestion. It speeds up the digestion process and it makes it more comfortable for if you eat something that disagrees with you. And so we decided to make our skincare line based on enzymes because from my experience in the spa, her experience of natural, and then we added many other natural ingredients that have the nutrients that like the oils do, but not the feel of an oil. So it's like you're getting the vitamins and the nutrients that you get in oils, but not necessarily the feel of the oil. And a lot of people don't like oiliness on their skin either. So the inspiration really came from Clarice, her desire for something to be natural, the enzymes, and my experience in the spa. And you put that all together, and that's what you created. I tried really hard not to take any inspiration from our clients and what they were doing, because you know, when I work with them, it's really that founders and that founders idea. And all we're doing is executing that idea. And that's really the same thing that I did with Clarice is her idea to create a brand. She wanted it based to be natural. I added the enzyme into it, but she already knew about that as well. And if anything, I tried to make sure that we didn't take anything from our brand because, you know, when you're creating for someone else, you want to give your wholehearted creativeness to that. But a lot of what we did also was anti-aging. So that was easy. <laughs> what is that like working with your daughter? It's really hard. It should be really easy because you want to respect her opinion, but you don't want to patronize her, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want her to really understand that what she's giving you is, is valued and not in if like, oh, it's my mom. Of course, she likes the idea. You know, and being able to give true and honest feedback without it seeming to her as criticizing her, you know. And so I had to take a step back in sort of trying to differentiate between our relationship as partners, you know, as co-founders versus the mom and the daughter. And it's fortunate that we had so much time to, to do that. And a lot of times I don't agree with some of the creative choices that she makes and I have to just let it be. And it's really hard because I want to say, you know, this is, I really don't like this color. I don't think this is going to work. This isn't the way I would do it, but it's her brand, you know, uh, as far as creative goes. And, you know, of course, if there's things that are absolutely wrong, but a creative, there is no right and wrong in creative. You know, it's a vision. And that's really, to be a good brand, you have to have a good vision. And out of all your products, do you have a favorite? Are you allowed to have favorites? <laughs> I have a favorite. And the weirdest thing is it's actually her favorite too, because you wouldn't think it would be the favorite product for both of us. But our favorite product is the overnight sleeping mask. It was originally developed as a spot treatment for blemishes and breakouts. 
but we couldn't get it stay on the blemish. It was too sort of emollient. And so we were getting, it was supposed to be like the fifth or sixth rendition. And we're getting really sick of the fact that we couldn't get it to stay on the blemish because, so we just put it all over our face and like left it on all day for some reason. I think, I don't even think it was thoughtful of just like, oh, let me just try it all over and see how it goes. And it's incredibly purifying and exfoliating, but in a very gentle way. So we amped up the enzymes in it and add a little sparkle to it and turned it into a sleeping mask. So now when you, before you go to bed, you put it on your skin, it exfoliates all night long. You wake up, you have a little bit of sparkle on your face, reminds you that it's a mask and it's like having a facial. And what advice would you give on skincare? Like let's say someone who doesn't know too much about skincare, where should they start? What products would you recommend? So the number one thing for skincare, which is going to be pretty funny since we don't have one yet, is to wear sunscreen. The number one thing is to always wear sunscreen. It should be part of your daily routine. We don't have a sunscreen yet. It takes a lot of time and money to create sunscreens. But the number one thing is always to wear a sunscreen. The number two thing is to wash your face in the morning and at night. I know a lot of people who don't do either or don't do both, I should say. So I know a lot of people will wash it in the morning and not wash it at night or wash it at night and not wash it in the morning. You need to clean your skin, just like your house, right? Like even if you don't live in your house for a month, you still go in and there's dust and dirt all over. And that's the same thing with your skin. There's dirt in, in the environment, there's toxins, there's pollutants, all of those things. So the number one thing is why people get clogged skin or their skin isn't functioning properly even when you get older is because they're not cleaning their skin properly. And it's, it's a routine is the most important, right? It's like doing the same thing over and over and then combining different things. If you, know, if you want to equate it to working out, it's like if you only walk, you're never going to have biceps, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you only do one thing, so if you only use vitamin C, your skin's never going to be super, super firm because vitamin C doesn't firm the skin. It exfoliates slightly and it works on pigmentation. It's an antioxidant but it's not a firming ingredient. So realizing that products do multiple things. And so you might need, depending on your skin, four or five different kinds of things to do ingredients, right? Like, let's just use you for an example. Mm -hmm. Sophia, what, like, what's, how do you take care of your skin? I wash it and I put lotion on it and that's pretty much it. (laughs) And do you have any, do you have any concerns? Yes, I have very red skin. So that's definitely a concern, but I haven't found anything that for that yet. And so is the moisturizer or cleanser that you use, does it have any type of exfoliant in it? No. Okay. And did you get, were you out in the sun a lot as a kid? Yes. So it's probably underlying sun damage from the sun. I have it as well. And I've also mm-hmm. over exfoliated my skin when I had the spa. I would do practice, have too many practice facials. So I'd get a little bit of under, underlying redness. Um, so does it, does it manifest as like little pink capillaries? Like little pink, know. is it pink? And does it have little lines in it? Or is it just kind of pink? It's mostly on my cheeks. And it's like, it's kind of pink. Yeah, it's like a pinkish red. Yeah. Yeah, most likely it's what's called barrier compromised skin is that maybe you had some sun damage when you were a kid and it just hasn't sort of repaired itself. Sometimes that can also manifest in a little bit of like uneven texture, maybe that your cheeks don't feel as smooth as maybe your chin feels. Mm -hmm. And that's because the barrier has like dead skin cells on it. 
that probably need to be exfoliated so that the newer ones can come up and you can sort of repair that barrier and that'll calm the surface pinkness down. And if there's any underneath pinkness in the skin, you may have to get, if you can't repair it with skincare, you may have to get laser if there's any actual broken capillaries. But so that's the thing about skin and that's what makes it so hard for people to even figure out what they need. It's like, you shouldn't need an expert to tell you what you need for skincare. It should be easy, but there's so many things out there and it can be so confusing. Mm. You know, you could try five other things before you get to where you need to be, you know, and then maybe you broke out in the process. And so you're just totally frustrated and then people just stop using skincare. So we tried when we made Clarisma to make it so that it worked on everyone, no matter what was happening with your skin enzymes will solve the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So like for you, an enzyme, although it might tingle a little bit on the sensitive areas, but it's going to eat that dead skin cells on the surface. Mm -hmm. But then the nutrient rich cocum butter and manoi oil and all of the good, like the kupasu, it has all these good nutrients in it. It's going to reinforce that barrier, that protection, right? So that's going to work for you. And mm -hmm. let's say somebody else is breaking out well, the enzymes are going to eat the clogged pores, the dirt and debris that's combined with the skin cells. It's going to eat the surface of it so that the oils can come out better. For someone like me who doesn't necessarily get clogging, but my skin slows down after the age of 25. And now that I'm older, over 25, it doesn't produce as many new skin cells. So I need to exfoliate so that I get more skin cells. And when you do that, you also reduce fine lines and wrinkles. A lot of people think and they jump into this sort of like fruit acid train, you know, or beta hydroxy acids or alpha hydroxy acids. And they like, oh, well, I'm going to go like, get this peel and like peel off my skin. And it's great if you did it once, but the more you do it, the more you compromise your barrier, you know? And if you just did something gentle every day, if you use enzymes every day, your skin's going to get better over time and you're not going to destroy the barrier. So... So the best, going back to your original question, the best is, advice is to be consistent. And then when you try something, only try one thing at a time. Never go buy a whole brand new skincare routine, ever. Just add one thing into it. See how that works. And then add the next thing into it. And give it you know, two to three weeks to work before you, or not work, before you change. I'd love for you to go into making a brand and going into the beauty industry do you think there's still space in the beauty industry? And what advice would you give to someone who wants to create a beauty brand? So there is, you know, it's really interesting as far as how you think about space. There is space in the beauty industry for more products. Then there's definitely space for innovation. If you said to me, I'd like to create another brand that's just clean beauty, it's going to be hard now, right? Maybe seven or eight years ago, it was a good idea, but but if you have a new idea, then you should like talk to someone like me or anyone else in the industry. And we can tell you if the idea is truly new or not, because sometimes people that aren't in the industry think an idea is new and it's just because they don't know that it exists already. But for instance, we didn't know that we needed lip plumpers seven or eight years ago, but lip plumpers are still a thing, right? Like products that plump the lips. So we didn't know that we needed eyebrows, feathers, you know, or, uh, or microblading, right? It's because those are different. They're innovative, right? So there's definitely space. And as, as trends always change too. So there's definitely space in the industry for more. And we're actually seeing continued growth now in the industry. As far as getting into the brand, you know, and deciding like, do I want to create a brand or do I not? The number one, I 
thing that you need to understand is, is there space for that product? And where do you want to sell that product? Most people will say, I want to create a lip plumper, or I want to create a moisturizer, and I want to create the best moisturizer ever. And so they go and they make into the lab and they make a moisturizer with no idea where they're going to sell it, how much it's going to cost, and if there's any five other products that are just like what they've already made. So it's kind of like what I said about what I did when I was younger. Don't just jump into it. <laughs> Make a plan. You know, figure out, do you have the money that it takes to actually launch that product? And you don't need to have a half a million dollars. You just need to have enough to launch your whatever it is that you're doing. You can launch direct-to-consumer. You can launch online. You can do small batch. You know, you can do all of these things. But just make sure that you have a full plan for it. And how are you able to help these brands get into like Ulta and Sephora? What's that process like? How do you help them like really differentiate themselves and be able to get into those big retailers? So part of it uh, about getting into a big retailer is understanding the retailer themselves. So for instance, if you look at, you know, like a Credo or a detox market or an Ulta, and you look at really where they're curating their brands and what they have already and understanding the opportunity there, right? Um, but you want to tie that into the, if you're starting a brand, you want to tie that into the, the idea time, right? Even though it's going to take you six to months to a year and a half to create your brand, you want to already know where you want to sell it. So when you go talk to Credo or you go talk to Detox Market or Ulta or CVS or Walgreens, Target, that you know their space, you know their price point. You know, it doesn't mean that they don't already have some plans of making that different, but you at least have to understand that. So that when you're, you're reaching out to the buyer, you're able to talk intelligently about your product, but more importantly, how does it fit in their space and why? You know, they're not going to buy a product just because it's the best product ever. They're going to really look at you based on your price point, your social following, your story, the efficacy of the products, all of that matters. And most people think it's just the product. If it's the best product ever, then I'll get in. And that's never the case. There is probably the number one selling brand has so many products that are better than the number one selling brand, but it's the number one selling brand because it's a brand, right? That they've done everything that makes people want to talk about it, whether they're popular on TikTok or they're getting a lot of publicity. It's very results oriented, but it's all of those things. It's not just the product itself. And what is something that you're learning right now? So I had two years, two New Year's resolutions. The first one was to maybe go back and get my MBA. And the second one was to teach, to be a, a professor someplace. And neither one I've successfully did. I think I might be teaching next year. So that's a sort of a year later. But I'm in the process right now of learning Portuguese. We've partnered with a company out of Brazil um, to do some testing. And we work with them very often. And I know zero Portuguese. I took French in college and French in high school and Japanese. But so I'm actually working on learning Portuguese and I am working on my kickboxing. I've been doing it about a year now and I never, I always thought martial arts was all about the power. And I saw it sounds like that, that thing, Cobra Kai, right? I always thought it was like, Oh, how strong can you hit or how much can you do this? And 
but I've realized it's a, it's real to me, it's really a sequence of focus because I didn't take dance. I was a, I played basketball and did other things when I was a kid. So the sequence that you have to learn in order to complete a move allows you to be focused, right? In this day and age, we are so unfocused, right? Like mm-hmm. the idea of having Zoom calls is great because now I know when I'm talking to somebody that they're actually paying attention. Before I knew when I was talking to, to customers or clients that they were doing six other things and they really were not listening. So I'd always send these detailed email recaps and the focus that I'm getting now or I'm required to do with kickboxing and the martial arts and the Tai Chi is helping me focus on one thing at a time as much as I possibly can anyway. So working on myself now that my kids are all grown, I'm really trying to work on myself and to make myself a better person. Things that I always wanted to do when I was younger, but I thought they were weak. Like that if you like people who, who read self-help books, well, it's because they didn't, they didn't know how to do things, right? Like I can just do things. And I think that we talked earlier on about like, what would you tell your younger self? And you know, it's okay to ask people for help. In fact, you should, because most people want to help you. But if you're too afraid to ask, nobody's going to be like, Hey, let me help you. You, then, you know, it's, it's sort of an odd way to say something to someone, but if you ask for help, you would just imagine how much help you'd get. And what is something that most people don't know about you? So when I was 14 years old, in the Midwest, we used to do bean walking where you would walk beans and pull weeds. And they're like 14, 12 or 14 hour days. And we would do that. And I would do tassel corn. And they were also, you know, 12 and 14 hour days. But I was fired from my bean walking job because it leads back to my focus because I couldn't focus enough on what was happening. I would just walk by and be daydreaming and missing all the weeds. And so, you know, I, I think it was pretty devastating to be fired from your first job, but you know, it happens. And I don't see if I can think of anything else. I think there's a lot of things that people don't know about me because I don't share. I'm not one of those people that, that, you know, shares a lot of things, but I played five on five girls basketball in Iowa growing up and I'm sorry, six on six girls basketball. And I think that most people are going to have to look this up, but it's where it's literally two half court games of basketball that the guards are on the side and the on the right and the forwards are on the left. And then the opposite teams got the same and you don't cross the half court. So after this conversation, you might have to look that up because so although I played basketball, I never learned how to shoot because I was a guard. But anyway, and what's something that you're excited about right now? I think I'm excited about everything. I'm excited that, you know, Clarisma is, you know, at Ulta and we're doing really well. I'm excited that we've launched a a second company, Media Lab Science, where we're doing beauty product testing. I just, every day I wake up and I'm excited. Like I'm excited for this podcast. I was excited to talk to you. Like I have really, really positive outlook on everything. Um, I'm excited for my kids. They're growing up, they're doing their thing you know, finishing college, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just happy and excited just to be here, wherever that here is, you know, that's just, I think that's just me. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm just always happy to be doing it. And if you had, um, uh, if I give you one minute and you could talk about anything you wanted to talk about, one minute speech, what would you want to talk about? Not one minute. Mm. Wow. I don't know. I'm really torn to talk about, it's like, you want to talk about how important your family is and all the, the 
how they hold you together, you know, and without your family that you don't have anything. But I also feel like because of, of the strength that we have as a family, it gives you this unique opportunity to be who you are, to do what you want to do. So I think that whether it's your family or your friends that respect you for who you are and they make you stronger, they don't hold you back. And I think if there's anything in life that you just don't want people who hold you back. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell her? I could go back in time and talk to my 20 year old self. I would say you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to conquer the world. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, that's really cool. Where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? You can find me at uh, my website's the easiest because it has all my contact information. It's amyann.com. That makes it super easy. That was my first business out here in California. It's A-M-E-A-N-N.com. And on there, you'll find my email address and my phone number. I'm pretty easy to find. So um, I'm also on Instagram, but I'm definitely more of a follower than a, my goal is to have 25,000 people that I follow. So, (laughs) Um, so you can find me on Instagram and um, of course you can check out our website, clarismabeauty.com or find the products at Ulta as well and Ulta.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.